Good morning. This morning, I want you to think back to the time of the patriarchs, the time of Abraham. Looking back at an account in the book of Genesis, and I want you to remember the time that the herdsmen of Abraham disputed with the herdsmen of Lot. We're looking at Genesis chapter 13. What was that dispute about? Well, Abraham rose to the occasion. He was the bigger person, we might say, in a dispute over the land being enough to uh, be able to take care of the flocks of these two herdsmen, Abraham and Lot. And Abraham was the bigger person, so to speak. And he tells Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. I always appreciate Abraham's response there. Abraham being the bigger person, if you will. Abraham realizing that no matter what came of this situation as it pertains to the land, he realized that the relationship with his nephew Lot was more important than whether he gets this land or that. And I appreciate Abraham for having that good mindset. Certainly a very selfless attitude, and selflessness is something that we need more and more as a society, as unfortunately selfishness continues to reign so much today. But I want you to look at how Lot responds. In Genesis 13, verse number 10, Lot says this, He lifts up his eyes, and he saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go towards Zoar. Verse number 11, Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. And Abram, verse 12, dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. That's what we want to look at this morning. Pitching tents toward Sodom. That's what Lot did. He pitched his tent toward Sodom. And he looked at it and he said, Oh, what a beautiful place. Oh, what a bountiful place. My herds will flourish there. And selfishly, he chose the better land, at least for the time being, until a few chapters later we see what happens to this land. But he chose what he perceived to be the better land for himself, and he says, here, Uncle Abraham, you can have the leftovers. More or less, that's the attitude of Lot here. Lot, perhaps being blinded by greed, 
perhaps being blinded by beauty, being blinded by potential, whatever you want to call it, Lot makes a foolish mistake, doesn't he? Because we know the rest of the story. We know what kind of place that was. We know what kind of harm he put his family in into when he takes his family to this wicked place, Sodom and Gomorrah, pitching his tents towards that place. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. Lot made a bad decision. And yet, Christians, I want you to think about the fact today that so many in the church make the same kind of decision today. How often do we fail to make a preemptive assessment of what kind of spiritual damage something might do to us? What kind of spiritual damage a decision might make towards us in our family? A decision such as this that Lot made when he pitched his tents towards a wicked place called Sodom. I'm reminded of a passage from Proverbs. Proverbs 6 verse 28 says, Can a man walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? Playing with fire. And friends, what happens when we play with fire? We get burned. And unfortunately, there are so many today who play with fire, spiritually speaking, and they end up being burnt. Lot played with fire. He knowingly took his family into a land that was full of wickedness because the land itself itself looked more pleasing to the eye. It looked like a land of opportunity. It looked like a place where his herds would flourish, more promising of material gain. But he played with fire. And he got burnt. And we know he actually escaped when fire and brimstone rained down on the city of Sodom and and Gomorrah. God destroyed those places because of the wickedness that was there. And we know that technically Lot escaped, but what did he give up from that situation? Well, For one, he lost his wife, didn't he? Because she looked back. She looked back at that place. Well, well, look at all my possessions that we're having to leave behind. Look at our friends that we're having to leave behind. And she looks back. She turns into a pillar of salt. So he loses his wife. Think about the horrible, horrible situation that came about when the angels visit the the city and the men of Sodom come to those men and try to do horrible things. And think about the fact that Lot says, here, here's my daughters. Terrible, terrible thing that lived on in their memory. And it all started with the fact that he pitched his tents towards Sodom. Christians, we need to ask ourselves from time to time, 
Are we playing with fire? Are we looking towards things that appear pleasing to the eyes, appear opportunistic, and yet we're really playing with fire? We need to ask ourselves that. We must ask ourselves if in any way whatsoever we're pitching our tents towards Sodom. Christians, are we pitching our tents towards Sodom by a the entertainment that we partake of. This is a big one right off the bat. Brethren, I look back in shame on some of the things I used to watch. I look back in shame thinking about some of the things that I was allowed to watch when I was a kid. And I think, what in the world? What were we thinking? We had no business watching this. In fact, Lindsay and I tried to watch a comedy movie several nights ago that I had watched when I was a kid, a young kid. And we tried to turn this on, and we didn't get 15 minutes in. We had to turn it off. And I'm thinking... Why was I allowed to watch this? It's a Jim Carrey movie. I'm not going to say which Jim Carrey movie. Take your pick. And it's nothing against Jim Carrey and his personality and his humor. Very funny man. But the things that he was doing in this particular movie that we watched, I said, you know what? We're not watching that. And we turned it off. It can only rightly be described as filth. Christians, we have to be careful with our entertainment choices. Paul said in Romans 1 verse 32, after offering a whole list of wicked, evil things that men get caught up in, sinful things, In Romans 1 verse 32, he says, Not only those who practice those things are deserving of death, but also those who take pleasure in the ones that are doing those things. Brethren, if if offering our entertainment choices, if, if deciding to be entertained by this or that, if those things that we're entertained by are sinful things, that's exactly what we're doing. We're taking pleasure. We're taking pleasure in sin. We've got to be extremely careful. I guess it was almost a year ago now, give or take, that Lindsay and I decided it's time to go through the DVDs and it's time to do a little purge. And we had... DVDs that we had bought early on in our marriage, movies, and we hadn't watched them in a long time, but they were still there. And we got to thinking, you know what? We need to get rid of that. We need to take out the trash. And so that's what we did. We got a trash bag, we got out the little DVD case, and we said, okay, this one can stay, this one can stay, 
this one's got to go. We took it, we put it in the trash. We sat there in the living room, we had our kids around us, and we said, look, mom and dad have made a mistake by having these things in our house. These movies glorify things that God calls sinful. And we don't want to do that in this house. And so we threw them away. I hope that that makes an impact on our, ch- our children to realize entertainment that is filthy is not worth it. It's not worth losing our souls just to be entertained for an hour or two. Sometimes we've got to take out the trash, brethren. It's not just the television, it's not just the movies that are a major corrupting influence in the lives of most Americans, although those are two of the biggest ones. But it also can be the music we listen to. It also can be the books that we read, the internet browsers that we have open, the cell phones that we have in our pocket, the social media profiles that we spend way too much time on, and sometimes we get caught up in doing things on social media we ought not be doing, sharing things we ought not be sharing, liking things we ought not be liking, looking at, watching things we ought not be looking at and watching. Brethren, we've got to be careful. God knows the things that we're entertaining ourselves with. I think back to something that Brother Don Blackwell put out several years ago now regarding entertainment choices. He says, how dare we be entertained by the things that put Jesus on the cross? That's a good motto. That's a good motto to live by when it comes to our entertainment choices. But next I want to ask you this, are we pitching our tents towards Sodom by our associations? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33, evil companionships corrupt good morals. Do we believe that? Do we believe it enough that, say, our kids are being subjected to filthy language from a coach. We believe it enough to say, you know what? I'm not going to be putting my kids under that coach. Until we get this cleared up, my kids are just going to have to sacrifice this. We're not going to play. And then we're going to go talk to the school board, to the school, and say, hey, we have a problem with this coach. Do we believe it enough that if our kids are wanting to go to the sleepover where there's going to be unrestricted internet access and gossip hour and, hey, let's see if we can do this and get away with it and and my parents won't find out. 
if our kids want to go to a sleepover like that, do we believe it enough that we're going to say, no, you're not going to the sleepover? Do we believe that evil companionships corrupt good morals? Do we believe that enough that if our kids are entering a dangerous portal through which they can contact anybody and everybody they want outside in the outside world and send videos and send messages and receive videos and messages and pictures through one little device, one little portal that we call a cell phone, do we believe it enough that we're willing to take it away and say, you know what, you don't really need that when you're 10 years old. Or at the very least, be absolutely certain that we've got the parental controls on lockdown on the cell phone. And by the way, kids are smart. They know how to bypass parental controls sometimes. We've got to be careful, brethren. We've got to protect our kids from this stuff. You know, sometimes, depending on the parent, and it's their right to determine this, but depending on the parent, a lot of times you'll see an 8, 9, 10-year-old be handed a loaded rifle to practice, to learn how to shoot in a safe and controlled manner, to learn how to hunt. But the key is that it's done with proper supervision. You don't just hand this kid a loaded rifle and say, hey, go out there and have fun. I'll see you later. You don't do that, do you? Because you understand that an 8, 9, 10-year-old, they, they don't really have the capacity to know how to use a firearm in a safe manner, generally speaking, when they're that young unless they've got some supervision. Same thing with a cell phone. Same thing with a, a, a tablet We've got to be careful because there are some very evil associations that our children can find by way of the Internet on these devices. Let's not just pick on the kids, though. We need to ask ourselves as adults, what are our associations at work, for instance? Now, I know it's not always possible to control who we are around at work, but we can control what we allow around us at work to a large degree. Let me give you an example. Somebody says a dirty joke. Do we laugh right along with them? Ha, <laughs> ha. Do we excuse ourselves from that situation? Or even better, do we say, excuse me, I'm a Christian and I would appreciate it if you don't tell those kind of jokes around me. That's what we should do. What about this? Maybe we're tempted to get into some sort of shady business deal with somebody. Maybe it's not exactly 100% honest, but... They'll never know. Nobody will find out. God knows. What about this? Maybe a coworker 
of the opposite sex has had his or her eye on you for some time now. Maybe there's been a little bit of flirtation back and forth. Seemingly harmless, nothing too crazy. You're going to keep that game going? Because if you keep playing with that fire, you will get burnt. We have to be careful with our associations with the folks that we are around on a day-to-day basis. But finally, brethren, I want you to think about this. Are we pitching our tents towards Sodom with misplaced priorities? If you look at biblical history, what is the one thing that always happens when the children of Israel went into periods of unfaithfulness? Their priorities were all out of whack. They started serving idols instead of the true and living God. They started marrying into the wicked people of the land instead of within within Israel. Their priorities were all out of whack. So what kind of idols are present in many of the lives of people today? What kind of misplaced priorities might we find? How about sports? I am a big sports fan. Always have been. Love it. Competitive by nature. If we play a board game, I want to win. If we play sports, I want to win. Okay? I've always been that way. Lindsay too, both of us. We've got a double dose in the house. But we can idolize sports. We can take it too far. And there are many good qualities that come with athletics, teamwork, dedication, exercise, loyalty, commitment. These are virtues that can be tied together with sports, but so many people worship sports. How many Georgia Bulldog fans literally bowed down and worshiped the other night? when they won the national championship. I've been in stadiums before where this was going on. The band was just playing away, and -and so-and-so had just made an interception, and the band's playing away, and the crowd is getting after it, and you know what they're doing? They're doing that motion with their hands, bowing down to the player. That's worship. And although they may not call it worship, that's exactly what it is. How many Alabama fans the other night thought that their world was over because their team lost? I'm not picking on Georgia and Alabama fans because taken properly and... um, keeping sports in their proper perspective, nothing wrong with, with uh, a national championship game whatsoever as long as it's within the proper perspective. 
I know that not everybody takes sports to these extremes, but some folks do. And it becomes idolatry. I've got an article from uh, Brother Victor Eskew. I'd like to read that real quick. Victor Eskew, he wrote this. I love to watch a little football. I am concerned, however, about all the hype that some people have for the sport. They know the entire starting lineup, but do not know the books of the Bible. They will spend hundreds of extra dollars to go to a ball game, but missionaries who need money are lacking support. They enjoy sitting four or five hours in a stadium to see an outdoor game and all kinds of weather, but have trouble making it to Bible study and worship four hours each week. They can really talk about the ins and outs of the game, but cannot do the same with the Holy Scriptures. They buy shirts, caps, hoodies, and a host of other things to support the team on game day, but their religious libraries are extremely bare. They will record the game and watch it later if they are forced to miss it, but they will not listen to any sermons that are missed if they are absent on Sunday, often to see a game. They will talk football to all their friends, even those who support opposing teams, but they are not able to teach the gospel to their friends who are lost. They love to see their team win and be successful, but the success of the church never really crosses their mind. They are really excited if the team makes it to the playoffs, the finals. All of the additional time is appreciated. However, let a sermon go a few minutes long or ask them to attend a gospel meeting or two, and there are plenty of complaints of all the time they have to be at the church building. Again, I love to watch a little football but it does not consume me during the season. My friends, we need to take a look at our priorities, commitments, loyalties, and finances. Who gets the most of our lives? Our Lord or our favorite football team? I may not get too many likes for this post, he said, but it's true. What about the love of money? 1 Timothy 6, verse 10, the root of all kinds of evil. How many have placed their priorities on money? It can be so easy to get wrapped up in finances to the point that we don't give what we should to God. We don't help somebody when we see an opportunity and we have the ability to help. We don't have much time for God because all we do is work, 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 work. Brethren, did you know that the term workaholic is actually in the dictionary? Sometimes people work, work, work so much, they don't have time for God. Speaking of work, what about career advancement at any expense? And we ask ourselves, what is the priority, advancing the work of the church or church members advancing work and then church comes second? There's nothing wrong at all with advancing in someone's career unless career is being put ahead of the church. And then it's a big problem. What about excessive hobbies? Hobbies are good, 
the Lord knew that we needed hobbies. He knew that we needed time to rest and recuperate and have fun. And, and certainly, there's nothing wrong with hobbies. Certainly, they must be appropriate hobbies. There are some hobbies that are not appropriate. There's nothing wrong with good hobbies at all unless they become idols in our life. If they become the focus, if they become the priority over the church, then it becomes a major problem. Hobbies. So if I'm out golfing every weekend or hunting and fishing and I don't make it to worship services, what has become the priority? The hobby. Let's say, well, okay, I'm going to go ahead and go fishing this morning. And I'll make it to worship. The Bible class, eh, that's not that important. I'll skip that one. What's the priority? The hobby. Instead of being with God and His people. Does Christ want us to have such a nonchalant attitude towards this church and the study of God's Word? Absolutely not. If that is our attitude, then our hobbies and even our time have become an idol in our lives. I think too many are pitching their tents towards Sodom. We pitch our tents towards Sodom with our entertainment choices, with our associations, and with our priorities. Brethren, we need to make sure that that's not the case. We need to make sure and understand that if we get too close to sin, it will burn us. We don't need to play with fire. We don't need to go anywhere near temptations to sin. We don't need to take our eyes off of Christ in His kingdom. We see how it ended up for Sodom, fire and brimstone. We see how it ended up for Lot and his family. Don't make the same mistake. Think about our lives this morning. We have opportunity this morning to respond in obedience to the Lord's gospel, the wonderful good news of His death, burial, and resurrection, what He did for us on the cross. And, and we have opportunity in, in view of what he did for us to respond to it in obedience to his gospel, having heard his gospel, believing on Christ, repenting of our sins, confessing Christ. We have opportunity to respond in obedience to, gospel, to the gospel by being baptized into Christ this morning. If someone in this audience has not done that, playing with fire, waiting, Putting off, procrastinating that decision is playing with fire. Don't play with fire any longer. Put on Christ in baptism for the remission of your sins. Your sins will be washed away. You'll be added to His church. And you can rejoice and we'll rejoice with you. Think about that if you've never done that. If you need to come for any other reason, we ask you to please come as together we stand and as we sing.